Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. I am your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. We did not have an episode on Thursday. We had some scheduling issues. Um, and today it'll just be a solo episode with me because Corbin is out with the flu. So we wish him the best. Hope he gets well, back and healthy for a later episode this week. Um, but you're just stuck with me today. Um, it'll be a shorter episode. I'm not going to go through all of the segments of our traditional six-segmented uh, Monday show um, because some of the segments kind of lend themselves to have two people. So we'll be going through uh, full court press, three points, and something foul talking about surprising and disappointing teams, talking about the Rockets, Victor Oladipo, Tom Thibodeau, um, some rookies and stuff like that. So it'll still be a fun show. It'll be shorter, um, and it'll just be me. So get used to uh, hearing my voice for the next you know 30 or so minutes. Um, but before we get started, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by Draft. If you're sick and tired of losing to these daily fantasy pros and you want to change things up and, and not play a salary cap league, you can join over 1 million people that have already downloaded Draft. And once you download, you can play in a real live NBA snake draft immediately. Uh, and you can be done with the draft within five minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want before a day's game starts. And basically, you draft five players, no salary cap. Um, it's a real live snake draft, so you can't really plan your lineup in a he- ahead like these fantasy pros do. And you can't submit over 200, 300 lineups because, you know, a snake draft will change your lineup because someone might take your pick. So it's exciting. It's fun, it's unique, and the best part is, is when you join and use promo code 94FEET in all caps, you get free entry into a real money contest when you make your first deposit. Again, that's promo code 94FEET, all caps. Uh, You can join me on Draft, have a lot of fun uh, and unique, and of course, win some money. Um, With that being said, we will get into the full court press in just a moment. Get ready, because it's time for the full court press. All right, so for the full court press, I know it's just me and, and, and not Corbin and I together. Getting close to that kind of 25 to 30 game mark. For some teams, they play close to 30. For other teams, their teams have been disappointing. And obviously, it is still early in the season, but we're getting closer to Christmas when the NBA season begins. So we're getting a, a feel for which teams will just continue to be this way. The best fall off a little bit. But as of right now, we're just going to talk about some surprising and disappointing teams. And let's start Celtics because obviously when they signed Gordon Hayward in the offseason, and made that trade for Kyrie or expected them to be good. But I don't think people them expected to be this a six through six to eight seed, you know. They won't be a comfortable playoff team, but they'll win enough games. Expected them to be twenty two and five at this point. And again, um just for those listening on Monday morning, I'm actually recording this on Sunday before the Sunday game. Um these all the stats compiled in this episode are before Sunday's games, but the Celtics are number one defense in the league to, to drive themselves, and obviously they got these young guys stepping up uh, in tremendous roles because you know they have the eleventh ranked offense, which is which is good but not great. But that number one defense is, is really what's driving them, uh, and it, it's interesting. I mean, you've got guys like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Aaron Baines playing very, very, very good defense. Kyrie Irving has bought in defensively a lot more than we saw, we've seen in previous seasons. Um, but then you have Kyrie Irving kind of taking over in clutch time. Al Horford giving quality contributions. Jason Tatum, which we'll talk about later in one of my three points, um, rookies and, and polished scorers for that matter. Um, he's contributing and, and probably better than people. He's shooting over 40% on threes and obviously providing that good physical defense. Marcus Smart's shooting is abysmal, is, is on another level. And because of that, he is 
a key cog in most of their successful lineups, despite his terrible shooting. Um, then you've got unheralded, you know, stars, potential all-stars like Al Horford, um, who is just putting up his, con you know, consistent numbers, and, and he's always, he always knows where to be defensively. He's spreading out his game at the three-point line. And then, of course, you have to have someone who can take over when necessary. And not, not that the Celtics always need Kyrie to take over in, cr in crunch time, but he has been great in crunch time this season. One of the best crunch time players in the league, you know, with LeBron James up there as well. Um, and he has taken over a couple games himself, which is what he's known for and what is especially what they're going to need in the playoffs because I think most people have some concerns about them in the playoffs and obviously events. Um, but, of course, you also need to score yourself. And I know they have Kyrie Irving to take over games, but that's to really you know, play this well in the playoffs when people teams are scouting them even more. He is their number two guy. So can he be a go-to guy in a playoff series against a physical defense that's matching up with him and scouting his kind of where he is on the court over a seven-game series? I think that they can win, you know, a series or two. I'm not sure that they're going to be as good as they are in the regular season in the playoffs because obviously things are much more intense in the playoffs, more scouting, um, increased defensive awareness and intensity from opposed, from opposition but of course, the thing with the Celtics is they've got Brad Stevens, one of the best coaches in the league, and he will always motivate his guys, drop the best plays to get them in the successful spots. He knows where to put his players in a spot where they can succeed and thrive, and that's what we've done so far. And, and the fact that they're 22-5, best record in the East, um, did anyone expect them to have a number one defense? No, people might have expected them to have a top 10 defense, but probably with Hayward, they probably expected a reversal where they had a top five offense and, you know, the 11th or 12th defense. But now it's the number one defense and the 11th ranked offense. So we'll see if the defense can sustain, of course. Um, there's some other really good defensive teams like the Thunder, um, and obviously the Warriors are up there, um, and the Spurs and the Jazz are always up there as well. Um, and, and the surprising Blazers are actually fourth defensively. Um, so we'll see if the... If the uh, Defense can sustain the offense at 11th is, is doesn't seem like it's really that much of an anomaly. Uh, I think they can probably sustain that offense pretty well, pretty easily. It's all about the defense. If that defense drops off to like seventh or eighth, they probably lose a little bit more. And you know they're not. They only have I think a three game lead in the standings. So, oh, and, and for first. So, anyways, the fact that they're doing this well, 22 and five, best defense, 11th ranked offense, relying on a lot of key young guys like Smart, Tatum, and Brown. Um, it's, it's just a credit to, to Brad Stevens, credit to their team, credit to Danny Ainge, um, and them being 22-5 after Hayward went down. It, it makes them one of the more surprising teams in the league, especially in the Eastern Conference. And, and the second series. Now, before the season, I'll admit, I expected them to comfortably miss the playoffs, and I think I expected them to see this coming. Victor Oladipo has exploded into a really good number one option. Um, and Besenter not spacing the floor like he was in Oklahoma City. And then he's got quality role players always on the floor, like Eden Lee and Blocks can always, you know, he can spread the floor, um, protect the rim. Um, but the, the, th the key thing with the Pacers, led by Oladipo especially, is that they have the number six offense in the league. And that's absolutely much higher than anyone expected. I think they would have one of the bottom 10 offenses in the league, and I think most people would have agreed with me before the season started. No one expected them to have a top 10 offense, probably not even a top 15 offense, but here they are with the number six offense, mainly due to Victor Oladipo. I mean, we're going to talk about him later. He's one of my three points, but his numbers and his presence and his confidence in order to take over games down the stretch 
um, hitting clutch threes against the Cavs, uh, against the Bulls. He, he in the Bulls. That's how much confidence he has. And of course, he's shooting so well from beyond the arc that that confidence is. is he worked to, to improve his body, his strength, his conditioning over the summer. He's in a more natural role. The Thunder, like, is that a, a, a criticism of, of Westbrook? And obviously, to an extent, I think it is. Form himself into a legitimate number one option. And we're not talking about a number one option that's leading the 20th ranked offense. Is leading a number six offense in the league. You know, it's it's fine to say someone, you know, oh, he's a number one option on offense. Like, great, but what's, what is their offense ranked? You know, if you're the number one offense for the, the 26th ranked offense, if you're the number one option, excuse me, for the 26th ranked offense, I mean, you know, you're not really doing that much. But if you're the number one option for the 6th ranked offense, you're having a great offensive season. And his defense is, you know, hit or miss because he was never... He never really provided the defense he was expected to coming out of college. They expected him to be a lockdown defender, um, but that never really happened. And he was better in previous years, but obviously now with the expanded offensive role, likely seen with plays off, and that's usually going to happen on the defensive end because they rely on him so much. A usage percentage, the offense is excelling, and because of that, despite having the 19th ranked defense, which is below average, that's of course not what I expected and not what a lot of people expected. And really, they're making that Paul is you know hit or miss in terms of fitting in with the. Uh, um, Thunder, and really, kind of unfortunately, I only have two surprising teams, both from the East. A lot of Western teams have not been <laughs> that surprising. You could say that the Rockets being this elite, um, being 24 so early in the season, especially with Chris Paul missing about 15 of those games, is um, is really impressive, and you can put that up there as well. You could say the Spurs being 18-8 and eight without Kawhi Leonard. I think they're actually 19-8, and eight, excuse me. The Spurs being 19-8 and eight without Kawhi Leonard, I'd say you could probably put that as a little surprising. But again, at this point, what... Do the Spurs really surprise anyone? It, it, the saying is death taxes Spurs for a reason. They're out because they're 19-8 and eight and they haven't gotten Kawhi Leonard a top five player in the league. He's coming back, I think. Of course, you can see the Rockets being elite, this elite, this elite, this good. They're being, their historic levels of good. Really disappointing. Um, and with that, let's get to some disappointing teams. And let's start off with the team I just mentioned when the Western Conference and the Pacers. And that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really, the thing with the Thunder is that they haven't integrated their big three. Um, they, they, there are plays where it's just your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. And it, it, that's not, that's not going to work. That's not going to work in the playoffs. That's not going to work in the regular season. Um, you know, combine that with Russ shooting very, very poorly. I think he's shooting below 40% this year. Um, and, and his defense has been suspect as, as usual. Um, people have been, have kind of been guessing and estimating that maybe he's just not fully healthy. He had that PRP injection into his knee in the off season. So maybe that's still holding him back a little bit. Carmelo Anthony is, is still struggling. He's isolating a lot. He's obviously just, has kind of just been like there. Like he's not really, you know, they're not really going to him, but he's not really, you know, um, you know, it, it's just the, and, and the thing with the Thunder that's really interesting is that they have the number two specifically their offense. They already have the defense to win a lot of games and be successful in the playoffs. The offense, their ISO heavy offense, that's number 22 in, ranked in the league, which is holding them back. Top five defense, that's the marking of an elite team that will succeed in the playoffs. But as of right now, just being ISO, your turn, my turn, no integration, no screening for each other. On Zach Lowe's podcast, he said that Russell Westbrook has yet to set a screen for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, how does that happen? I, I, I mean, that means that Westbrook's not doing anything off the ball. That means there's no integration from Billy Donovan in their offense to get all these three players involved. Steven Adams has basically been their best player this season, and, and no one would have expected that. Um, so it's all about the offense. And, and the thing with 
isolation is that isolation kind of has a bad rep now like oh iso play like if you're such an iso heavy offense it's not good well the thing is that the isolation is a good offensive play like james harden is putting up incredible points per possession um especially down the stretch if there's nothing else going on or they're playing a really good defense is not a bad offensive play blazers last night saturday december 9th when he had 48 points including nine straight down the stretch of the fourth quarter just isolating and driving to the rim that's a good offensive play because one he's an elite offensive ISO player, and two, if he gets a good matchup like a Damian Lillard, like a Vonley, etc., that's a good, smart play. But if you're isolating on on good defenders, or you're isolating and you're not a good ISO player or team like Carmelo or Westbrook or anything like that, that's not a good offensive play. So this ISO kind of this negative connotation for isolation plays is not really warranted unless it's a team or a player that's not good in ISO, then having them isolate so much is just a negative. But if you're a good ISO player or team, doing it fairly often on a regular basis is not a terrible offensive play like the Rockets and specifically James Harden. But for the enjoyable teams to watch offensively, and the reason why I'm still not panicking, I think they're 12 and have the pieces or the ingredients you would hope to transform this offense into a top 15 of backings of a def- of a, an elite defense. If they can just turn the offense around, get more integration, we'll be a top five seed in the West and be a successful playoff team. So I'm not panicking right now. But if we get to Chris heavy and blah, 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 I mean, you're cre- when you, if you creep into January with these kind of tendencies, it's really hard to turn them around in time to be a really good team to succeed in the playoffs. So there are reasons to con- for concern with the Thunder, but I'm not... I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. Um, but a team I am hitting the panic button on, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. And this is specifically because I expected them to make the playoffs. I picked them to make the playoffs before the season started. I, I thought they would win, you know. And there are some problems with this team. So Steve Clifford, their coach, is going to be out. for. He, so uh, Steven Silas is, is taking over as the interim coach. And he's gotten some, you know, underlying this kind of transition interim position. Um, but they had Nicholas Batum miss time. Zeller is out indefinitely. Frank Kaminsky is dealing with an injury. They really can't afford anything else or anybody else falling to injury because they are in danger. As I mentioned, they're 9-15. and 15. They've got the 19th ranked offense and the 15th ranked defense. So with those rankings, you're going to be at best an average team. And that's if, that's if you know how to win close games, which the Hornets certainly do not know how to do that. I think, as I mentioned in our show about one to two weeks ago, they are they have one of the worst records in games decided by three points or less over the past two seasons, including this one. Um, so they can't win close games. Their offense is below average. The, the thing with them is that they rely so much on Kemba Walker, and he can't do everything. And once he's out of the game or he's out, you know, if, in the middle of the game, if he gets taken to the bench um, or he's missing a game due to injury, their offense is, is just going to collapse. And their defense is... Is literally fifteenth league. They still go to him in the post way too much. Dwight Howard has to. Re- Dwight Howard and his team have to realize, and his rate of turnover. It, it just means that Dwight Howard post ups are not an effective way to generate. Because if you don't make him happy, we see what's going to happen. It crumbles apart in Houston. They wanted him out. It's not going to be good if he's if he's not happy. But again, now with his backup Cody Zeller is out indefinitely. Frank Kaminsky is dealing with injuries. They're really short on bigs. They rely so much on Kemba Walker. But two has to kind of get more integrated and get back into the flow of things in order to help out Kemba and the offense. Malik Monk is struggling. I guess the only bright spot for the Hornets has been Jeremy Lamb, who's actually providing really good value for that $7 million contract that he signed two years ago. And everyone thought, how is he getting $21 million over three years? Well, they thought that he could turn into this player, and he's finally... Finally, Jeremy Lamb has turned into a quality uh, guard slash wing player, and that, that's probably the only bright spot for the Hornets. Who at nine and fifteen, with these injuries, with Steve Clifford missing time, they're on the on the 
th the uh, four or five seed in the East, and that that could create some changes personnel-wise. And learns a lot of over-reliance on Kemba Walker, a, a, a disappointing offense, a disappointing defense, too. A lot of discipline. They know where to be. They know how to guard people. 15th defense is, is very disappointing. So you'd like to see that 19th, 19th ranked offense is, is what's going to create an average team at bat quickly because we've spent quite a lot of time talking about them, including not, we didn't have an episode last Thursday, but the previous Thursday, um, we spent mm -hmm. basically the entire episode talking about these two teams. That's the Clippers and the Grizzlies. And they're really disappointing because of injuries, right? Mike Conley's down. Uh, Chandler Parsons has, you know, kind of been hit or miss injury wise. They've been missing a bunch of guys. And of course the Clippers, I mean, Injuries and the Clippers go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly. Um, they are missing, obviously, Blake Griffin. Patrick Beverly's out for the year. Tia Dosich has missed all but one or two games. Danilo Gallinari has missed over 10 games, I believe, and he's finally coming back. Um, they are, they are, both teams have to be sellers at the trade deadline. That's just how it is. That's the reality. I mean, for the Grizzlies, things are getting really ugly. They fired David Fisdale. Gasol continues to make these comments about effort, and he's disappointed with the team, and he doesn't understand how the effort's so bad, and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of traditional, I want to be out of here comments from Marc Gasol, which it's not like straight up saying he doesn't want to be there, but he's basically doing the kind of passive, under the radar, I don't want to be here comments from Marc Gasol, who's showing that he doesn't want to be in Memphis with his losing team. I mean, Tyreek Evans is basically their only bright spot this year, and he's been playing really well. So, of course, them, you know, looking to not make, they're not going to make the playoffs, so why not trade Evans? You could probably, for the way he's playing, get a first-round pick for, for Tyreek Evans, maybe a protected one, but get to get some kind of asset in return for Evans because he's done a one-year deal and you're not making the playoffs and you're not going to resign him for an expensive contract. So you got to sell while your your uh, asset is hot at its highest trade value, and that's Tyreek Evans. And for the Clippers, they're playing well and maybe in the same deal. Um, you got to be sellers of the trade deadline. I know it's if you're not going to make the playoffs, which both teams look pretty comfortably to not make the playoffs. You have to be eventually do a full rebuild. But for the Clippers and Grizzlies, they've obviously been very disappointing teams. See, Grizzlies already fired Fisdale. Well, interesting to see what the Clippers do with Doc Rivers. There was a report that they're not because at the end of the season, they could let him go. And if they're going to do a rebuild, um, you can pretty com confidently predict that they're going to let go of Doc Rivers in the offseason. So Clippers and Grizzlies kind of round out the disappointing teams. There have been some other teams that have been disappointing or you know hit or miss or blah, blah, blah. But with the Cavs turning it around, they're not that disappointing anymore. The Wizards are not that disappointing when you consider the factors and injuries they've dealt with. Um, so really, it's just, and the Magic, I guess you could say, disappointing based on their hot start. They've completely fallen off a cliff. But overall, in terms of preseason expectations or, or expectations after the first week, maybe you could say that these teams are the most disappointing and surprising. <laughs> Now, here are the three points. All right. For the three points this week, it's just going to be me, so it's just going to be my three points. And I've already mentioned a couple of them. So let's just start off with Victor Oladipo. Just, no one expected that. And here's the thing with Oladipo. I, I think it would be a common Tobias Harris. You've also got the great guards in the East. Um, just a spot on the All-Star team. Let's look at his numbers. 23.6 points per game, 22.6 PER, and a 4.0 box plus minus. His shooting percentage, about 60, almost 60%, is elite when you consider his volume. Um, and I mentioned before that his confidence is at an all-time high. He is, and what he's doing is shooting threes a lot of the time in, that, in those moments. I mentioned the Bulls game and hits it. To win the game, he has that three against Kevin Love, where he shook Kevin Love in a one-on-one -on -one situation and pulls back for a kind of a step-back three-pointer to lead that 
lead them to a win on that game and also break the Cavs' winning streak. Um, and it's just that it's great to see. I, I really love it, and I tweeted this out when I was watching that Cavs-Pacers game, especially when Oladipo took over down the stretch. I tweeted out that I just love when players break out and, and you, you didn't expect them to, to you know expect them oh like they're a good player they're a fine role player good second option but no Victor Oladipo breaking out into a number one option for the sixth ranked offense I still can't go to if you can't tell I can't get over the Pacers having the sixth ranked offense so I'm just really I love it when players break out and I'm really happy for Oladipo to break out he got some you know some blame for just not really fitting in, being disappointing throughout his limited with next to Westbrook. Now he's in Indiana. He's the number one option. It's working very well. He's playing in a team that many expect now to make the playoffs pretty comfortably, which is what no one expected heading into the season. So Oladipo step it up, play at an all-star level, and, and lead a great offense and a, a very good team. Um, so that's my first point. My second point, going to the Western Conference, we're going to Houston once again. And this is because the Rockets are the hottest team in the league. They're, they currently sit at 20-4. and four. They've won nine straight games, and they have the best winning percentage in the league. According to uh, Cleaning the Glass, which, of course, for those who don't know, is what I use now to uh, measure a team's offense and defense and, and the four factors and everything like that, because Cleaning the Glass excludes garbage time and, and end-of-quarter heaves that really just don't really... There aren't represent garbage time is not representative of what a team can do. If you put in your if you put in your ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth men on the floor in garbage time, obviously that's not what your your starting lineup can do or your best five players can do. So that's why I like cleaning the glass. It excludes garbage time. I think it has a glass. The Rockets have the number one ranked offense and the number five ranked defense. Surprising, but the Rockets having a, the, a top five defense is probably just as surprising. I don't Anywhere from a, the 10th to 12th ranked defense. I thought that defense would be better than people expected, including his defensive awareness would rub off on everyone else. And I thought that he'd have, they'd have close to which is just incredible, especially when coupled with their number one ranked offense. And what's happened is that, you know, Paul and Harden are working a lot better than expected. And the key reason why they've been so successful is that Mike D'Antoni staggers both of their minutes. So one of Chris Paul or James Harden is always on the floor for the Rockets. And that means that a Hall of Fame point guard is always on the floor running the offense, no matter who they're playing against. If they're playing against starters, if they're playing against bench units, which is just makes the Rockets nearly unstoppable. And so since Chris Paul's return on November 16th, which is it's, it's December 10th, so it's almost been a month, they have the number one ranked offense and defense. That's how good they are. And then they've won nine straight with Chris Paul. They have not lost with Chris Paul in the lineup. That includes the, he's improved their three-point shooting. Um, but you have to talk about P.J. Tucker and Luke Mabamute because they they know playing them with line. So last night against the Blazers, they went to a lineup of wagon lineup, <laughs> which is a great name. Um, and what they can do is they can switch everything. I don't know. I think Noah Vonley was on the floor a little bit. That means P.J. Tucker is coming up to guard Lillard. P.J. Tucker's perimeter defenders. Or you run a, a pick and roll with a pick and pop, pick and roll with Aminu. That means Luke Mabamute is chasing after Lillard. I mean, the only defensive problem on that floor is Harden. And, and, and when... And his defense was not great last night because he had such a great offensive load. But surround Harden with four quality defenders, you're going to have a good defense. And and Harden can buy in because Chris Paul can take a load off him offensively, which we saw last night. Paul had a couple moments where he ISO'd as well and scored. So that's great to see for the Rockets and, and great to see for Harden lessening his offensive load, providing more value on the defensive end, being rested, be shooting better from the field, more efficiency. I mean, it's it's been great to see. And, and Ryan Anderson is another player who's providing – Providing his contract value since Chris Paul returned. I mean, he's improved on defense after he lost, you know, 12 or so pounds over the summer. And I think since Chris Paul returned, he's shooting over 70% on threes on passes from Chris Paul, which is just ridiculous. Um, 
And so another thing I mentioned with Chris Paul improving the Rockets shooting is th the Rockets have quietly crept into the top 10 in three-point percentage. They're hitting about 37% of their threes. And for a team that attempts, you know, 25 to 30 attempts per game of threes, hitting 37% is good. But for the Rockets who attempt 43 three-pointers per game, hitting 37% is absolutely ridiculous and incredibly dangerous for their opponents. Uh, and that's mainly due to Chris Paul because, as I mentioned before, one of Chris Paul or Hard is always on the floor, which means no matter what shooters are on the floor, if it's a bench lineup or whatever, they're going to get quality open looks based on the gravity and attention that Chris Paul and or James Harden generate. And that's why the Rockets have the number one offense in the league and the number five defense. And that's why they're ranked number one on both ends of the floor since Chris Paul's return on November 16th. And that kind of great play on both ends is why the Rockets should be seriously considered a threat to the Warriors. Not to beat them, but to challenge them. Maybe push them to six games. Maybe push them to seven games if their shots go down, if they get some, you know, good breaks or good luck here or there. Um, so it's time to take the Rockets for real. James Harden is the MVP so far. He's playing out of his mind and best team in the league at this current moment. And my final, uh, we've got Ben Simmons leading the way. Still the front runner for rookie of the year. A triple-double threat. Just incredible. Is one of a key is a key cog on the on the Celtics. I mean, they have the eleventh ranked offense, and Tatum's not really a great defender, but his offensive play has been incredible. Fourteen point three points per game, five point six rebounds per game, and hold on to your seat. That Jason Tatum is shooting fifty two percent on three pointers, which of course, as you can expect, leads the league. Being one of the more polished rookies, especially scorers, they thought that he could come in and contribute right away. But I don't think people kind of efficiency beyond the arc, and people really didn't expect him to have this big of a role. Obviously, because they expected Gordon to fall off because they're losing a great wing score, providing them you know twenty three points per game. Well, you get Jalen Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has been breaking out in recent weeks. I mean, he's playing. He's Averaging 17.5 points per game on pretty good efficiency. And he's basically the number one option already for the Jazz. I mean, Rodney Hood is there. You know, Favors has been a good option. But right now, when you watch a Jazz game, and I watched the Jazz play the Rockets on Thursday, and it was a pretty good game for about three quarters. Um, you watch the Jazz, and Donovan Mitchell has such great poise and such a great feel for the game. He knows where his teammates are to pass them, pass the ball to them when he's driving to the rim. He knows how to – he is – Playmaking for others, he's creating shots for himself on pretty good efficiency. Being the number one rookie of the year um, leaderboard as well, and you know those are the three that I want to talk about. But obviously there's some other. Jordan Bell, <laughs> sorry, sorry Bulls fans. Jordan Bell has been really good in his role. <laughs> How's cash considerations doing for Chicago? Um, but so those rookies have obviously shown flashes of, of being very good in the future, but they just haven't had as much success, not really enough consistency. Um, but I really wanted to highlight Mitchell, Tatum, and of course, Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons is still the front runner for Rookie of the Year for me. I'd still pick him right now. But Mitchell and Tatum are, are right up there, and they're having really great seasons for rookies. And it's really great to see a rookie class that's balling out. Um, so that'll conclude my three points of the day. And in just a moment, we're going to get to something foul. Now. It's time for something foul. All right, order one, just with me because Corbin is out sick. My something foul is Tom Thibodeau. Uh, and that's to Wiggins and Butler are both playing 37 minutes per game. Towns is at 35 per game. But really, all have been in some close games, and you've got to ride them hard to get the wins. And, you know, they haven't been playing great, but they're still maintain home court. But playing these guys into the ground so early into the season is not going to bode well for the playoffs. They have the worst fourth quarter defense in the league. And almost all of their key guys shoot worse in the fourth quarter from the field, especially Jimmy Butler, who basically falls off a cliff shooting-wise in the fourth quarter. Don't you think that that kind of correlates with fatigue? Because that sounds like fatigue to me. When you don't have the legs for your shot and you don't have the legs and effort to play 
defense in the fourth quarter, that sounds like you're tired, and that sounds like you're worn out. And even, wasn't I can't remember what game it was, but they were interviewing Jimmy Butler after the game, and they were like, oh, you played 40 minutes, and how are you feeling? And Jimmy was like, I'm going to have to talk to uh, Coach Tibbs about that or something like that. Like, it was a joke. But seriously, go talk to Coach Tibbs, because I know, I get it, pe- their bench sucks, but Thibodeau is in charge of building the bench. Like, Bielitsa is out with an injury, not going to rely on him that much. And Tyus Jones, like Zach Lowe said on his podcast, Tyus Jones and Jeff T. Maybe maybe they have to look to get someone for the bench because they cannot continue playing their key guys at this rate. Over the, they want to win a playoff round or two. They cannot play their guys like this anymore. I mean, it's already showing now. Worst fourth quarter of the quarter. That's definitely correlated to fatigue, and that's why it has to stop. Just play a couple minutes less, inter- integrating their players, staggering them. Um, maybe you just say, you know what? them less maybe we'll sacrifice a win or two here or there um, but we'll be better and we'll be better rested and more prepared for the playoffs or more, pre- more prepared for march and april down the stretch of the regular season because at this rate playing them this much playing these key wolves into the ground is is just not going to work out for the tim wolves that well so that's why tom thibodeau is my something foul uh, of the week and with that this will conclude today's episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. Of course, this is going up on Monday, December 11th. We recorded this before Sunday's game, so that's why the stats may not be super updated by the time you listen to this. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros MBA. Um, follow the show and our website on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report, and you can check us out at 94feetreport.com. And again, I want to remind you, we are brought to you by Draft. If you're sick and tired of losing to these daily fantasy pros, go to Draft. Sign up with Draft because your chances of winning actually are 80% better on Draft than they are on the salary cap sites. I've had a lot of fun with them. I won I won three contests last night and some of them by a couple of points thanks to James Harden and Chris Paul. Um, again, I told you, more than 1 million people have already downloaded and played on Draft. And you download and you can join a live snake draft right away. Draft your lineup in under 5 minutes and then you get paid out the next day. It's great. I've had a lot of fun with it. But the most important part is not only that will you have fun and get paid out playing Daily Fantasy and you won't lose to these Daily Fantasy pros, the best part is that you can get free entry into a real money draft contest right now when you make your first deposit. All you have to do when you sign up, and you can go to playdraft.com or you can just search draft in the app store. Um, All you have to do when you sign up is put the promo code 94FEET in all caps and you get free entry into a real money draft. And of course, you'll be helping the show and our website. So go to draft, have some fun with Daily Fantasy and have a better chance of winning. Use promo code 94FEET in all caps to do so. Uh, And that's the end of today's episode. Um, Hopefully Corbin is feeling better and we'll be back later in the week, Thursday or Friday, um, with our kind of unsegmented, unedited, kind of free-flowing version of the episode of the show. Um, But if not, we'll keep you updated on Twitter. So follow me on Twitter at Eric Sparrows NBA for updates on that. Join Draft with promo code 94FEET and have a great week of watching NBA basketball. Take care.